Welcome to the Writer's Hour, where we have creative conversations with up-and-coming authors on their latest books. This is the place to be if you wish to get a preview of new books that are available for the voracious bibliophile, as well as the story behind the story for the voyeur who wishes a peek behind the creative curtain. Here's your host, Janine Bolin. Welcome to this episode of the Writer's Hour Creative Conversations with Janine Bolin. Today's guest is Jeff Borshawa, who is a professional problem solver. Not only that, he connects businesses with solutions that they need in order for them to thrive. Jeff is what we call a super connector, and he brings his vast business network in to solve problems. He also believes that a problem that is well-defined is half-solved. Jeff is particularly passionate about solving people's cash flow problems for not only their businesses, but also for what may be going on in their personal lives. Now, one of the things you really want to listen to today, and I know this sounds like, oh my gosh, if I hear something from a certified public accountant, I'm going to scream. Let me explain. Much like myself, Jeff has walked away from a lot of the training in that regard. And I think what is most valuable today about what he's going to share with us is how he had to literally give up one whole section of his brain so he could write this story because many people think that writing nonfiction is a very linear process. You can write books that way, but Jeff didn't wanna write his story in that way. He wanted to really help people. And that meant he had to take a very untraditional path. So welcome to the show today, Jeff. It's lovely to have you with us. Thank you, Janine. I'm excited to be here and I can't wait to have a fun little conversation. I promise we won't talk too much accounting speak as we go. <laughs> right. I always say to folks, hey, if you want to see the financial side of Jeff, go to the Three Minute Money Tip podcast where you did eight episodes for us. Thank you so much. But this is the Writer's Hour. And so with this, talk to us a little bit about how you kind of have to disengage the analytical side so that you can really write a great story. So if you don't mind, share with us your story of becoming an author. I mean, this wasn't something that you always dreamed of doing, was it? It literally, um, my entire life, I've loved books. I've always loved reading them. It never once occurred to me that I should write them. Um, I, I kind of felt, you know, again, very elite, you know, only the best of the best write books. And who was I to, you know, step in and write a book? And the first book I wrote, um, it's going to sound really weird, but I've written somewhere around a dozen books, only about Five of them have made it to the wild. Um, the, the, the others are on a little pile somewhere and maybe one day I'll finish them, maybe I won't. But um, typically every book I've written, it came from, I had a problem I was trying to solve and I was really trying to figure out what was my approach? What was, you know, where was I getting hung up? And, you know, the, the first book truly was an accident. Um, I had solved a particular problem and uh, we won't go into the, the details of the book, but it was a very boring title. It was Eight Pillars for Exponential Business Growth. Um, sounds great on paper, but try saying it three times fast. Um, so my first lesson I would share with, with anybody is say the title of your book out loud a few times and just know that you're going to hear that over and over and over. Um, Eight Pillars for Exponential Business Growth is not rolling off the tongue. It, it becomes a tongue twister. Um, and basically, I did it. It started as a presentation. 
I solved some problems in my accounting practice. I was thinking about why was I successful and, you know, I was sharing with other people and they kept asking me to tell them more, tell them more. Um, so literally the book was a list of frequently asked questions. I was tired of being asked. And um, uh, go, sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut in, but it was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what happened to me when regards to money is I got so tired of answering the same questions over and over for my clients that I, and my students, I wrote the book. So please continue. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say that, you know, if, if you're in any industry that deals with human beings and quite frankly deals with animals as well, odds are good you get the same questions over and over and over again. And one of the ways you can really stand out is just to take your best. And, and this doesn't have to be, um, I think the book that led me to this, I can't remember the author's name, but it started with a blog and it was um, blog your way to a book or something like that. And uh, I, I give credit where credit's due, but that's like a long time ago in my brain. Um, but basically I just started answering questions and the, the first book was literally copy and paste from social media posts, um, you know, emails, things like that. But I, I had 20 burning questions that people kept asking me. And, um, you know, the, the first book evolved. It was actually originally, I think, Four Pillars. Um, but there was a, a company called Four Pillars Financial Management or something. Um, then it was Five Pillars, but that clashed with some religion that had five pillars of whatever um, six pillars was taken seven pillars was taken eight pillars was available and I went okay that's where we start that's where I'm gonna start because this one isn't taken you're not the first author to tell me stuff like that so you know people are thinking I gotta have it all figured out beforehand no you don't um, as Janine said it's anything but linear um, you know my book was seriously it started as a powerpoint um once it had been presented a few dozen times it literally became sort of talking points and then it became the book um yeah it, it was a lot of fun and you know the first book took me over a year to put together just because of all the barriers and baggage um, my last two books i co-authored one in january it took us about two weeks to get it start to finish. And I wrote one in February and that was three weekends total. So it's not a linear process. And I've, I've had many people say, oh my gosh, I could never do that. And I, I encourage people, I'm like, look, if you have a defined time where you know you have to have a book produced in that period of time, I always like to recommend 70% is good enough. Like get it 70% there, drop it, send it to a, a beta reader, have them flush it out and, and go from there. It's one of those things that a lot of authors don't understand, new authors, like first time authors, that if you're, especially if you're nonfiction, you wanna get it 70% done and then hand it over, you know, after you've done the, you know, you have that horrible rough draft, which is stream of consciousness writing. And then after that's done, then you go through and you edit it, clean it up a little bit. Don't spend a lot of time here. Then send it off to your beta readers. And then your beta readers will come back with any holes or glaring things that need to change. You fix those and ship that book out. So talk to us a little bit about 
what were your barriers to getting this book out, the first one? Because, you know, I noticed that as you were talking, your books got shorter and shorter as far as what you were writing. But that first one, man, that can be a real bugaboo. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, the, the first one, and uh, it was funny because I actually worked with a, a publishing house. Um, I can't remember the name of the company. Um, it was one of those random things you'll never remember. It was just so generic, but um, it was a, a little bit painful because it took, for me, it took a long time. You know, I had perfectionism. I was at the time I was an active practicing accountant. So it had to be perfect. You know, I, I spent a lot of time, um, believe it or not, I think it was the 19th version, which finally went to the editor. And there was about 10 more versions that before it was finalized. Um, my last book, I'm not exaggerating here. I, I hand wrote it because I wanted to say I did. Don't ever do that unless you have to. <laughs> my hand ached for weeks. Um, I hand wrote it. I typed it myself because no one else could read my handwriting. And um, I shared it with one proofreader and version four went out the door. So the first one, it was literally, well, what if I said this or, oh, no, I didn't include that. Or, you know, there, there was a lot of second guessing. And, you know, truly it was meant to be honestly, the, the first edition was meant to be a 20 page frequently asked question document, uh, all of a sudden it's like a hundred and some page, you know, 120, 200 page book. Um, so a lot of perfection. And at the time that this was a little bit funny, I was writing about technology for accounting firms and, and bookkeeping businesses. Um, I'd send it off to the publisher, to the editor. And by the time it was reviewed and back to me, it was usually about a month between some of the software was obsolete or brand new software came out. So I kept updating. It was like, okay, there's a reason we have first edition, second edition. Um, so the, the biggest thing that bothered me with the first book was perfectionism. You know, if, if I was going to put my name on it, it had to be, you know, some cross between Tolstoy and Shakespeare and, and, you know, maybe a little bit of um, Spielberg or, you know, like, these great people, the great storytellers, and I'm like, but I'm not doing the next ET. I'm not putting a movie out there. I'm creating a little book to help people. Um, so that that was probably the biggest little hurdle and, and tangent was, you know, getting it done. And, you know, of course, for me, I had to block off, you know, I'm going to spend a day doing this. Um, it was hard to find a day here and there. Um, now, one of the things I do is, you know, I'll block an hour or two and I'll just write un, uninterrupted for that time. So it's I, I've learned a lot about my process as I've gone along. So exactly. You every writer has to find their stride. And just to comment on those great people, what I find fascinating is you were not posting yourself side by side with Steven Spielberg on his first film you were comparing your first book and the quality it had to be to Steven Spielberg's 20th film. So yeah. <laughs> you, and so I would like to talk about, you know, to authors that, 
you have to make you have to compare now the very first film that steven spielberg did he was like nine to twelve ish in that range and he was using this itty bitty you know uh, nine millimeter film and having a camera and his mom would let he and his group of friends from school totally tear the the living room apart to to build these little films that they were storytelling with so i just wanted to remind you that that is fascinating how our brains will do that to us we compare our first effort with the effort of a 20 or 30 film person so yeah i just wanted to bring that up so okay so so you had to find out your process and one of the things you and i've talked about on other shows has been how we had to go about finding our own process that we would take advice from those that had done what we had want what we want to do what we want to aspire to but we end up having to really do it our own way i would love for you to chat a little bit about you had really good people give you excellent advice but you kind of had to do this your own way yeah and you know i think it's kind of an interesting thing and you know from first book to sixth book I've gotten to know a lot of authors and, you know, um, one of my other favorites is Malcolm Gladwell. Um, again, I compare that his work to mine and it's like, ooh. Um, but, you know, it, it's the first book, I had no idea what to do. I mean, it was just, it, it was really strange for me to go from, you know, being an avid reader and, you know, being a fan. I, I haven't read a fiction book in, in a decade at least. Um, I, I read at least, I think last week I read probably six nonfiction books. So it was a big leap for me to go from reader to writer. And it's like, you know, what if I'm not doing it right? What if, you know, a lot of it was I was trying to find the right voice. And I, I accidentally got some advice early that, that made sense. And that was that you already have the voice, use it. And I don't know why, Janine, but that was probably the hardest piece of advice to follow. It was like, well, what if I'm not good enough? What if people don't want to hear it? What if, you know, what if, what if, what if? Um, you know, so reading the the how to blog your way to a book was a big aha moment. It was like, okay, just start. And, you know, so then I followed that person for a while and I'm like, well, this kind of works, that doesn't work. Um, but that was the other struggle I guess I had was, you know, in, in addition to trying to be perfect, I was trying to follow other people's systems. And, you know, I, I had advice, it was across the board, just random. You know, some people are like, get up at 2 a.m. and write because that's when I'm the most creative. And it's like, that's when I'm the least creative. <laughs> Right. Some people are like, don't even talk to me. I'm in sleeping at that time. Yeah. Like, yeah. You actively on purpose get up to write. I, I just can't see that being useful for me. Um, so, you know, the, the good news is I got a lot of great advice, but I also got a lot of advice that made me pause and say, you know, I think that's a little out there even for me. Um, so I just found a way that worked. And, you know, the other piece, you know, do I have, you know, a lot of people, you read nonfiction, you think you either need footnotes or a long bibliography. Um, I don't want to be that person either. I don't want to take, you know, the best of the best. And, you know, basically, you know, page one is about this person, page two is that person. Um, I'm happy to give credit where credit's due. But all of the ideas in my book were 
you know, the, the story was, here's how it applied to me. Um, so I, it, the first draft was very much, you know, footnote this, footnote that. And like, it didn't read like a story. And, and, and that's uh, one of the things people really do crave. They want to hear your story. They want to know, how did you how did you solve this problem, which you had done for your clients and, and your students over and over again, you had done that for them. And it's tough to then convert it to writers. So I had one person kind of say it this way to me, when you're a reader, and like you and I are voracious readers, we're always got our nose in a book when we're not, you know, doing something else. And one of the things is, is it was quite the challenge to go from being a consumer of books to a creator of books, that whole flip. And sometimes the littlest things will kind of throw a, a hitch in your giddy up, as they say, <laughs> which is which is you're sitting there and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to make a book look like a book. And yeah. then you're digging through your old books going, oh my gosh, I never knew, you know, when you start chapter one, you're halfway down the page, you know, getting your text to look like a book. So talk to us a little bit about uh, how you ended up having to do things your own way in regards to the way you delivered your book and the way you printed up your book. Yeah, I think, again, I didn't want it to be like just everybody else. And um, my last books, I, I will credit Mike Capuzzi because, you know, I've read every book he's written on writing books. And, you know, I, I love his system of it. And I think that took a lot effort away. Um, I'll be honest, my first book, the publisher imposed the template on me. They said, this is how it's going to look. And I said, okay. Um, the second book I self-published because I didn't want anybody to tell me how to do it. Um, honestly, that one I found, you know, back in the day, it was, I think it was called Create Space. Um, you know, now Kindle Direct Publishing and they had a little word template. And I'm like, okay, that's what my book is gonna look like. Um, it, it was just, it was a funny thing where I, I took other people's systems where it made sense. And then, you know, for, for the delivering of the book, um, you know, creating my cover, I realized, you know, I have a vast background in accounting. So if you want a spreadsheet designed, I can do that all day long. Uh, I am not the person that, you know, my first cover, I insisted, here's what it's going to look like. Um, it now to this day, people tell me it was hideous and, and that, that clearly I designed it. And I'm like, ow. Um, so Hello, now, I spent time on that. Hey, <laughs> come I on now. It with a right shade of orange. I mean, come on. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just funny because people think, you know, we have this view of what it looks like and, you know, I always admired James Patterson and his, you know, it's like he woke up on a Tuesday and a book fell out of his head. Like he just, he was so prolific. And I'm like, that is not ever going to be me. Um, so I, I guess the short answer to that question is I've tried to find other people that have been there. You know, the, the first book was me just fumbling around in the dark. Now it's, I, I look for people who've figured things out, who have systems and processes in place. And I really try to imitate them. And, you know, obviously where I can, I work with the best, but um, yeah, it, it's definitely, my skill set is not picking fonts and typefaces or whatever. Um, 
I have a graphic designer. She can tell me just, I flash something in front of her and she'll, she'll say, Oh, that's whatever. And I'm like, a font oh. is a font is a font. You know, it's <laughs> Dan Serif, Serif, <laughs> I don't care. Um, there are smarter people than me that have figured out all that stuff. Um, I defer to them every time. I, I agree. That is something that is delightful. So when it comes to writing, you will find authors that are crazy and get up at two in the morning to write. Then there are people like me who automatically wake up at 4 a.m. Don't ask me why, but I do. And when I wake up at 4 a.m., I start writing until the first kid wakes up and I have to go make breakfast. Um, and then there are the night owls that they wait till everybody's gone to bed and their best writing time is 10 at night till 2 a.m. So, you know, it just, you you have the whole gamut. And then there are folks like you and I, we run full-time businesses, we have online courses, we have multiple books because we're helping our students, we're helping our clients. And so we don't see ourselves as only an author. Like James Patterson, um, since you used him, and I, I love his stuff, by the way, I love to, Lightning, um, but it's like he he is an author, period. Right yep. now, of course, as a human being on planet Earth, he is much more. But it's like when you see the words James Patterson, you go author. When you yep. see the words Jeff Borshawa, it's like, oh, CPA and 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 multiple, multiple aspects to your business. So that also has a has a primary purpose for you. So um, what kind of. OK, so I'm an author and whether I'm fiction or nonfiction, I I would just want to get into the habit of writing so that I can get that voice, you know, like you said, just write, you know. But how did you kind of overcome some of the shyness of using your voice? What are some tips that you would give an author who's just starting the process? OK, well, great question. I'm going to give you two answers, the one that I did, and I'm going to give you the one I recommend. Um, and I'll share my wife's feedback on this. Um, yes, I think that's good. Uh, share the wife's feedback as well as what you think, what you would say now. I think that's great. Go ahead. Sorry, don't interrupt. So, so true story. Um, I was a practicing accountant, and um, I retired from public practice. I decided I'd rather, literally, I'd rather step in front of a bus than do another tax return. And rather than do that, my wife suggested I find another career. And it just randomly fell into my lap that some software company I knew, they were looking for a trainer speaker and they wanted to basically teach accountants and bookkeepers technology. So I found my voice. I said, sure, let's do this. Um, from zero to inception, we had literally a month's notice. Uh, we planned a 15 day cross-Canada, 15-venue cross-Canada tour. And I spent eight hours a day, every day, talking to people, telling them my story. And I just observed what landed well, what sort of fell flat. And my wife's advice was, you know, th there's nothing in your background that says you can do that. And I said, well, there's nothing in my background that says I can't. So I did it. So that's how I found my voice. Um, you know, testing out, like, there's no better way to get feedback than to stand in front of a room of peers and present your ideas and either they laugh at you or they applaud you. Um, luckily, I was very, my first audiences were very kind, so I got more applause than laughter. Um, 
so that's that's how I did it. It was, you know, literally, I'm going to change exactly everything about me. I'm going to go from being behind the desk accountant to I am a public speaker. And oh, I guess I need a book to support that. So it was kind of cart before the horse. Um, now, if I was talking to somebody who was a little less open to public ridicule, um, I would start just writing, you know, social media is a great place to test your voice. Um, one of my favorite quotes, I, I can't recall who it's from, but they basically said, you know, knowledge is like a buffet. And we all worry about, you know, is my dish special enough or unique enough? But if you think about it from the point of view, there's somebody that won't be able to eat if your particular item isn't on the menu, you owe it to the world to find your voice and share it. And that, I think, is the best advice we can wrap up with today. I, I thank you so much for your time today and talking to authors and helping them with their voice. I love it. Well, thank you very much for your time, Janine. It's always a pleasure. And that was Jeff Borshawa, who is a professional problem solver, and he connects businesses with solutions. Not only that, he can also help you if you are running a business, be able to help you with cash flow and how, how to focus on eight different aspects of your business so that it is profitable. So definitely look this man up. He is worth the read. And this is Janine Bolin with the Writer's Hour Creative Conversations. Remember to keep writing to sit and write, even if it's garbage, and eventually you will have golden nuggets. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Writer's Hour. To hear more about the creative conversations that Janine Bolin is sharing with her listeners, please visit janinebolin.com forward slash guest. Guest.